The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, tomorrow marks the second anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. On the 24th of February 2022, Russia shelled major cities in Ukraine, including Kiev, which resulted in dozens of deaths. There followed a ground invasion which Putin had hoped would result in the fall of Kiev in a matter of days. But Putin had grossly miscalculated, and what followed was a shambles. But since then, Russia has mounted a grinding war of attrition, sacrificing hundreds of thousands of the lives of its young conscripts in pursuit of its aims. With the help of Western allies, Ukraine has resisted, but there are concerns now on the front line that Western allies, including the United States, may be suffering from donor fatigue and concerns that Israel's war with Hamas is diverting public attention from the plight of the Ukrainian people. I'm joined from Kiev by UNICEF spokesman James Elder. Good morning, James. Pat, hi there. Good morning. Now, you were talking to us from Ukraine, and it has to be said that as we approach tomorrow, the second anniversary of the invasion by Russia, life must be utterly changed. It really is. I think I find three things. I've, I've spent the last week on the front lines up and around Kharkiv and stress, isolation and still resilience, Pat, I've got to say that. But boy, oh boy, this resilience is is coming at a cost. You know, the, there's still an ever-present danger. I two days ago walked around the the the. the charred like floors of this home that had just been burnt down after a missile hit very nearby and three young boys were, were burnt to death. But amid all this, Pat, these families relentlessly still seeking safety from the missiles and drones, that's coming at a real cost. You, you, we really do now have this mental health catastrophe for children uh, and their parents, to be honest. Now, how normal can life be? Many of the children are able to access school routinely. Uh, it's nothing like normal. I mean, it's there are children in these frontline areas who've spent in the last two years 200 days underground, a basement, a bunker, I don't know, a hole in the ground, 200 days. I don't think I've ever been somewhere, Pat, and I've heard so many parents and children and young people and child psychologists talk about socialisation. It's just gone. Young people don't see each other. Teenagers have not been to school for four years, COVID, and now this. We often talk about the risk of, you know, a childhood being stolen or robbed that's what's happening right now. That's the very real fear if sanity doesn't prevail and we don't get a ceasefire. These children don't get to socialise. They spend days and weeks underground. They don't get to go to school. Uh, they can't even play in fields and, and in, in, you know, by, by rivers as they normally would have because this is now the most landmine country on the planet. Now, in addition to that, there will have been many bereavements in families. Uh, maybe older brothers have gone to the front line. Um, young mothers have been widowed. And that's got to impact terribly on the children. Oh, hugely so. On the women as well. I mean, I must have met dozens of people um, in that week. And honestly, Pat, the vast I would speak to people for an hour or two, and the vast majority of mums, sometimes even child psychologists, at some point in our conversation simply broke down from having a husband on the front line, from not having seen family, families for years, or just the guilt. What I found striking and really quite heartbreaking was how many parents going to enormous odds to give their children something resembling a life, feel incredibly guilty because they're so aware that this is not a childhood. This is not, as a parent said, this is not a time for them, for my child to be alive. This is not a good time. So there's a huge strain and that strain filters down to the children because, again, as a child psychologist said to me, Pat, 
Parental care for this toxic stress on children is so, so critical right now. But the parents are enduring the same stresses, the same bombardments, the same drones. That, how can they possibly function in the way that, that, that they would like to be able to function? I mean, and children, as you rightly point out, we have hardened veterans around the world. We've, we now understand the psychological impact of war on them. How are children possibly meant to cope amid this two years now and counting? The question of whether the Ukrainians feel the West has forgotten them a bit. That's a great question. I think they fear it. Again, I because of where I was, there is a there's a rawness to people. Every person I spoke to at some point in the last two years has lived in an occupied area. For them, being as you say, forgotten by the West um, is much more than than not having a warm blanket, it's, it's a point of complete terror for them. You see hardened Ukrainians, women who run hospitals, men who are rebuilding homes, and there's a fragility in their voice, Pat, when they think of that because of the discussion we have. They're well aware of competing priorities, but they're also well aware that in every way you look at it, they are on the front line. Be it a mum, be it a child, be it a psychologist, they're all on the front line, but they're worn out. And so all they have to do now is that, as a woman said to me, is we keep doing everything we can and we hope the world notices. Now, uh, your preoccupation in UNICEF is with the the children, uh, but of course that interfaces with uh, the plight of their parents. But there are children who are simply gone, missing, abducted into Russia. Uh, What do you know of their plight? Far too little, Pat, far too little. We have discussions with all parties on this. We don't get clarity. Um, Talk to parents who, of course, you can only imagine the torment that they are going through. Um, So we don't get the answers we need. We don't get the access we need, Pat, which is such such a critical element to this. So it is, there are many dark aspects to this war. You're touching on perhaps probably possibly one of the one of the darkest and certainly one of the most frustrating because you know as a child rights organization we are mandated to get access to ensure that children are with their parents to ensure that you don't have any kind of in adoption or intercountry adoption at a time of war we know the guidelines we know everyone signed on to them we need to find the teeth to enforce them now, I know there will be a visit by Ukrainian children today to the Security Council, a, a private session. And these are uh, very young children, uh, barely into their teens, one of them, uh, and some even younger than that, who are going to tell their personal stories to the Security Council. To what end, do you think? Look, I spend my life trying to share the stories that I'm privileged to to have spoken to me. And I think it, there's a great resonance when uh, when these children will be able to express what they are going through. And not just, Pat, what they're going through, but how they offer so much promise. And I hope to the end that that governments and people understand there is a great reason in practice and in principle in supporting these children. They know the economic argument. This is a generation of children, not just in Ukraine, but across Europe. So there is a there is an economic argument, if necessary. There is a security argument. They, of course, will have a very personal, no doubt, heartfelt argument, but there are many, many hard-edged reasons as to why those children who are speaking and those children here and on the front lines and the millions who would like to come home still do need Europe's support. And yes, that kind of compassion from Europe, it has to translate into money. Mm -hmm. And indeed, they're hoping to 
uh, soften the hard hearts of the Republicans who have uh, stalled the aid package to Ukraine uh, in Congress and then gone off on their uh, two-week holiday break. Um, The question of aid for Ukraine, uh, it is a a country that was well able to feed itself, had a, a prosperous exporting regime. How does it fare now? poorly um a dairy industry as well on its knees you drive or as i have taken trains east to west north to south of this country huge swathes of land as you know pat and the black sea deal to get grain to other parts of the world has has fallen apart um so parents are struggling parents uh all of them are going without the food that they require they're giving their children um they're they're trying to ensure their children have that food many of them can't find the work that they previously had But there's a selflessness. Every single person, I I often ask similar questions, Pat, around what's their dream tomorrow or in a year or two, almost to the woman and the man and their child, their dream is around their family and their community. It's for peace. It's to rebuild. It's to get back up. Sometimes it's just for their neighbour. We've seen our neighbour's home. It's got a shell through it. Our dream is that we help them rebuild. And that's what they're doing. Um, At the start of our chat, Pat, I talked about those three little boys who were horrendously burnt to death after that missile or drone. There was a house next door a lovely home too. Two men had built it for their families, you know, working class lads over 25 years with everything they've earned and with their hands. Um, And it was burnt down as well. When I was there, he was rebuilding. He was starting to rebuild six days after fire had gutted his home. His home was next door to where the children were, were, were burnt to death. He thought themselves fortunate to be alive, but everything they'd built over a quarter of a century was charred, no home insurance. And he simply looked and said, we have to build again. The man's now in his 60s. Now, the the problem, I suppose, for many Ukrainians is they must feel that their situation has been eclipsed by Gaza. And uh, you've talked to me before about uh, Gaza. And, you know, three little boys burnt in Ukraine, three little boys burnt in Gaza, The three little boys in Ukraine didn't get any headlines. And that's really what's happened. The story's moved on to, you know, more misery in a different place. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very, very profound sense that you share. Yeah, yes, it has. I think for UNICEF, one of the reasons we are in every country in need around the world and certainly on the front lines of every war zone is to try and give that voice to those people to try and share those stories of course we would rather share the story of you know mine risk education for for, for children in this most landmine country rather than those, what's happened to those three boys after the event but you're right there, there seems to be a lack of space and of course we all understand why people are so exhausted by the endless bad news but equally as, as anyone knows those who's been through real hardship, it's never harder than being at the front lines. And those people will persevere with or without with or without the news. But the difference that is made because compassion so often translates to, to fiscal support, I guess, is what Ukrainians now so desperately need. Like those children at the, at the Security Council, they hopefully will get a chance to raise their voice and they will know the, the pressure on them. They will know they are speaking for a nation that now is is fading from the news lines, despite the fact that the attacks are so very far from fading. Finally, James, how can people help? Look, 
I will say any agency, Pat, because anyone who does a good job, I know UNICEF in Ireland is as good as I've seen. I know the support. I know these frontline workers, Pat, that UNICEF Ireland supports. I was with them yesterday on the front lines. It's a doctor. It's a psychologist. It's a nurse going to homes of people who literally cannot move, newborns, mums with babies, you know, rebuilding infrastructure, getting mental health, training counsellors, any support your listeners can give, that's where it goes and we are grateful with all our heart, Pat. James Elder, spokesman for UNICEF. James, thank you very much for joining us from Ukraine. It's a pleasure. Thank you. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.